So, recording in progress. There we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Thomas Podcast here. I'm here with Beef, as you can see. Uh, I always find that there's no point in hyping up the guests because you can just see him on screen and most of you who listen week to week know who everyone is at this point because everyone pops up regularly enough, so it's just easy to. Oh, yeah, I, I suppose everyone is their first one, so you never know. This, yeah, this could be, this could, could be the first one. Again. In which case, I'm Alex. That's Beef. Um, Hello. How are you? How are you, Beef? How's it going? It, it's superb. It's uh, Thursday, I suppose. Yeah. Where are we on Ma- United Kingdom? Te- is technically Monday, but today oh, is yeah, Thursday. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. For the purposes of the broadcast, yeah, this is Monday. What a weekend it was. And yeah, obviously, yeah, we, we won some Hopefully. form of football game. Um, Hopefully it came home. If not, bollocks. Obviously, because this comes out on Monday, I'm now going to quickly supercut to myself on Sunday, either crying or cheering. So, uh, future Alex... Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's a record scratch, and you know, cut to whatever Alex is emotionally on that day. Yeah, it's it's another day, and where I am, yeah, I I, I'm just looking forward to having another break because it's been a a very long few days, uh, yeah, with the family and everything like that. So I'm looking forward to hopefully having a bit of a still a uh, fun and relaxing weekend with the family, where there may be a few drinks involved, but it means there won't be the pressure of having to do birthday celebrations and stuff like that, which I've had just recently. So, yeah, have it, have yeah. it, are, are you free of the birthdays now, or is that is there another one on the horizon? Oh God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually it's actually my dad's. It's it's my dad's birthday on the twelfth. So uh, on, on this day, uh, uh, it goes out. Happy birthday, beef dad! If you're listening, probably not, but yeah. Uh, it I is the twelfth. It, anyway. it is the twelfth today. I think it is. So yeah, yeah. So Mon- happy birthday, Mon- beef dad. Monday the t- Monday the twelfth, right? I've got that right. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Happy Happy birthday, beef dad. Um, and by now, in the future, I would have seen Black Widow. I'm, I'm going to see it technically tomorrow, but Friday. So nice. Um, so I'll, I'll be watching that. Um, I've heard actually not bad things about it. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I was always going in thinking it wouldn't be bad. I just thought it'd be one of those Marvel films that you watch it and you go, all right, it was fun. You know what I mean? I thought that's what it was going to be. I feel like you're going to watch I've, it. I've heard, some, I've heard some people whose whose opinions on said matter I, I do actually respect and where it's a case of, yeah, there's been a lot of spoilerific stuff out there for the longest time and everything like that, that it's still not a bad movie. Absolutely. So, um, just, a, just a spoiler warning, not really for Thor Ragnarok, because if you haven't seen that, then that's your thought came out four years ago. But we are going to be also talking about episode five of Loki, in this as well um so just spoiler warning uh, for that as well because that came out quite recently however if you go on twitter you're kind of stuffed because there's so many gifs and memes now of uh, especially richard e grant um i've seen a lot of him popping up on the timeline um i don't yeah. know about you beef but i've seen a lot of richard e grant and loki gator or alligator I, and loki. I've, I've seen I've seen what is some uh, a lovely bit of uh, video of Owen Wilson and Richard E. Grant just on the set, just like chatting. And obviously yeah. they've become firm friends, which I, I think is tremendous. He's an think, immensely likable guy. Yeah, I not, think... Not Owen was, Wilson, I mean Richard E. Grant. I mean, um, I, sh- I assume both of them are, but uh, I think I think the clip you're talking about, I think I watched it as well. I think it was on Richard's Twitter and it was he said, uh, can you give me some advice, Owen? He said, yeah, find some work. <laughs> but this is having a good time but also did you manage because i know i put it in our chat did you manage to watch the new trailer for what if yet i did did, i managed i managed to watch it this evening is it's very busy that much i would say it's it's hard to get a real handle on it i think you've got the the sort of earlier trailer with it made a bit more sense because there wasn't quite so much information hammering at you yeah, I feel like this is definitely one for the Marvel geeks to go frame by frame to find every little difference. I mean, I know uh, on all, on the first day of release we're getting three episodes, and I don't I don't know whether I don't think it'll be weekly episodes. I think that will clash with Hawkeye, but I might be very mistaken. So because there's there's ten of these, so and if they said how long each episode is going to be, no. will it be as long as half an hour, or will they be like sort? Like small, like ten minute vignettes, they call it. I, ho- isn't it? I hope they're more than that, but uh, only because, especially for the Chadwick Boseman episode, only because it says. It's well, yeah, it's, 
yeah, it's it's his last, you know, posthumous performance by voice anyway. Um, I, what I'm looking forward to in it is that it's something that I never, ever thought I'd see because I, I'm, I'm a bit of a sort of like a bit of a comic nerd anyway. And the there T-shirt was says it all. Um, <clears throat> there, was a, there, was a, there was a series that ran called Marvel Zombies, which was basically um, basically every superhero character as a, as a zombie with an unquenchable thirst for human, you know, flesh or, you know, godlike flesh, depending on which character it was. Yep. And I never thought I'd see it. You certainly won't see it on the big screen, but to see it in an animated form, I'd be really interested to see what they do with that because that's a big storyline. Yeah, does it? I think they'll have a lot of fun with it as well. I think obviously they're going to use animation to 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 its fullest. So you might see some fun characters pop up that you might not be able to get on the big screen and some of that. And also, yeah, I'm Jeffrey, happy that- uh, Jeffrey Wright's a great um, choice for Uatu. So yeah, he's got a voice that sort of resonates really well. And I'm glad they've gone for someone that wasn't Lawrence Fishburne. So even yeah. better. Even better. Poor old Lance Fishburne. They just keep wheeling him out. Um, but yeah, I think it's exciting. I think it's good that they've got most of the of the cast uh, to play their roles as well, so it's not too jarring. Uh, obviously, they didn't get Robert Downey Jr. They didn't want to pay the big bucks no more, so they got an impressionist. It's like, oh. I think Robert Downey Jr. doesn't need any bucks anymore. Uh, if he wants to hit me up with a spare few that he might have, I'll be more than willing to take them off his hands without problems. Do you know what? The, the thing is, I'd take like a grand from Robert Downey Jr. Like, and I wouldn't be that fussed, even though that's nothing to him. I'd be like... The things I'll do for money from Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Go into, it isn't broadcastable yeah. on a podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. rich in the creases. Yes, it would, it would definitely not get the YouTube uh, monetization going. Um, as well, though, um, some other dudes that might be interesting. Uh, this is a very quick one, but it just it, it freaked me out. Obviously, Time Fracture have added the clown from The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. So that's yeah. terrifying. That's terrifying. It's terrifying to a certain group of people. I mean, I, I don't hate, I hate clowns. I hate we've clowns. Been, we've, we've been... Um, we weren't, we weren't there when the clown was there, though, so, um, so we can tell what that's like. But. The, the only thing that does sort of, like, concern me a little bit, and I don't think it's a, a not a valid, a, an unvalid concern, should I say, is that you're, you're shoehorning it a lot more, tends to be, it looks like it's getting shoehorned in at the moment, and it's sort of how much are you actually going to get out of it or how much are you actually going to see. It's a, It seems to be very hard to get, everything yeah. or a Pokemon collect them all type situation and actually getting a worthwhile value out of a character. So um, yeah, I, I also, I just hope it's not because so far most of there, there are a few cool, like oh, people that just pop up. But like, I wonder where you're going to, what, what you're going to do with the clown. I don't, I guess it's difficult to go because we don't want to go into spoilers of where that will take place with <laughs> stuff, but it's I I can't imagine that fitting without it just being a kooky little yeah. appearance from someone no, playing knowing, the clown. Knowing what we do of the story, it, there isn't a role to be played by the chief clown from Grey Show in the Galaxy. So, but prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. Next thing we'll know, somebody on Twitter would have gone, "Oh, I met the chief clown today. It was a baller." We would be like, "Sweet." Um, and also another thing that a lot a lot of casuals and people that listen to the podcast might not know about, but me and Beef do. Toast Series 4 has got underway by the looks of things, and I am excited. Toast Goes Hollywood, or whatever they're going to call it, Toast of Hollywood. Um, you know, exciting times. I think, yeah, just to get that little tweet of the hair, um, the streak being put in the hair. Your, like, reply to that. that. Your reply to that as well. That's it. He fell out of a, someone's fallen out of a tree. So, yeah. I'm, that's something I've been looking forward to immensely. I didn't think it would ever happen. I think Matt Berry, for the longest time, said he wasn't going to do anything with it because the only thing they could do with it would put Toast in America. And at that point, I mean, he was you know, of, of a moderate level of popularity, but I think now with the success we he's did. had of what we what do we in the shadows, yeah, yeah. spends a lot of time in the States, obviously, doing that. I think they were, they were doing the third season. Uh, whether they finished it, I don't know. So it would just make sense that if he's over there at the same time, he must have been putting together this series for, I don't know, the last 18 months to two years, I would guess, writing-wise, for it to be of a quality that he's ready to run with it. So I'm very excited to see when we will see it. I don't know, but what I hope... 2022. 
what I put my faith in there is that it won't lose the charm that it had it being based in England. I hope it doesn't lose that aspect. No, I, I hope we still, I know obviously with it being in America, that I still hope we get our characters somehow and it can be written in that toast way of how did you guys pop up here? Like Ray purchases in America for some reason, because I think you need, you need, I, look, we're not going to get everyone, but I think to have some people back. Um, well, I think the, other, the other thing that I liked as well is I used to like the musical interludes. I used to like the songs that would like creep up for no apparent reason. And some of them are really good. Now I hang my head catchy. in fear and shame. Uh, keep it, keep it on the square is still a classic. So I hope that still plays a part in it being based in America. And yeah, Wait and see. I, I would, we, what, would, what would be good if pilot season is a big thing in America? Yeah. So whether Stephen Toast goes through the thing of different US pilots and everything like that, and that's probably how you get Danny and Clem in there as well. So yeah, obviously because um, the person that plays Clem is also big on Star Trek, if I'm not mistaken, at the moment. Well, he he, was. he, he was. was he was that there could be spoilers therein on that. Um, oh, oh, did, did, oh, oh, did did he get? Um, I don't think he featured in the last series, if my memory serves me correctly. But he was certainly a big part of the first two. Well, damn. Well, there we go. Hopefully, that means we get more Clan Fandango. I, mm. I'd love, I'd love for Stephen to move, but for everyone to sort of be with him and that can also be the joke of like he's like this is a new fresh start for me and then everything comes with him you get like ed and you maybe not jane because that would make no sense i think you know jane's kind of story is done based on last episode where he burnt the globe down and she i think i think you might get jane on zoom that might be the the, the sort of yeah she doesn't know how to work it and she doesn't know how to work it type thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be exciting. My hope is for John Hamm in an episode, even if it's for two seconds, just for him to be seen John Hamm again. <laughs> that would be fun. Quite possibly. Because that was, I think Ham on Toast is my favourite episode. It's not even in my dog, by the way. It's having an absolute nightmare. Um, but yeah. But um, it's got Blessed in as well. So that's me sorted, to be honest with you. Brian Blessed. John Hamm. <laughs> There was never an actor that you could have that would be better suited to being Stephen Toad's dad than Brian Blessed. No, exactly. Um, also, as well, quickly, um, obviously, Suicide Squad dropped on the trailer since you were last on. How are you feeling about the Suicide Squad film? Because I feel like this is right up your street. Or are you not feeling it? I'm looking forward to it. It's James Gunn. It's another ensemble movie of a lot of people. Um, there's going to be humour involved to it. It's got Dave Dismulchin in, who I, I really like anyway. Uh, got Peter Capaldi in it. Will he be suited to it? I don't know. It's it's tough because the DC history of movies hasn't been that great. Um, so I'm gonna I'm just I'm gonna go into it with an open mind and take it for what I can. I really enjoy the animate the DC animated movies. So. They're really strong, and I don't want the Suicide Squad to lose it off the back of that. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that I because the only DC animated film. I mean, obviously, I've seen a few of the Batman's. I've seen Killian Joke. I also watched the Constantine movie that came out like maybe two years ago. It had um, Matt Ryan still voicing. Yeah, him. that was that was really solid. Um, but yeah, I, I think James Gunn and they've given him free reign. Like I'm, I'm excited, and I, I think it'll be really good. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the DC universe. I don't really like any of the films, to be honest. I wasn't even that big of a fan of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Shoot me. I watched it and I went, it's much better than the original, but the original's dog shit. So I was like, I don't ever it, see myself. It didn't need much to be better, but it, the characters were more fleshed out and the people's motivations made a lot more sense. So yeah, it was better, that's for sure. Did it need to be four hours long? Ugh, who knows? Because I, 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 I don't think I'll ever rewatch it. I don't think I'll, because I think I'll, there might be a time where I go, oh yeah, I'll watch it again and I'll get two hours in. And I'm like, all right. Zack Snyder's never won for a short movie, though. Yeah, he went no. back and did director's cut of Watchmen and that was a better film as well. So I think sometimes it's never take his first effort, just wait a few more years and then you'll get like an extended version that will be better than the first one. So maybe just skip watching most of his films on the first run. Exactly. Right, Loki time, ep episode five. I don't know what it's called because I never look at the names of the episodes. I just click play on Disney+. Plus. Um, 
episode five, obviously at the end of the last episode, uh, Loki got pruned and we found out that the timekeepers, as we thought, were all androids all along. Um, and we thought Loki was dead until the post credits where three other Lokis came and were like, you need to come with us. And that's where he left off. Um, I thought overall episode five was another strong addition. I think episode four is still my favorite overall as a, as a, as from start to finish, I, I enjoyed episode four more. I think the ending of episode five was fantastic, and we'll get to that set piece in a bit. Um, but yeah, I thought this episode was great, um, especially the stuff with uh, Sylvie more than Loki. I thought the Loki stuff was obviously he was there to kind of explain this new world and this pocket reality, whereas the Sylvie stuff was sort of moving the pot along. You had to wait for her to get there for things to really kick into motion. Um I also, so yeah, I thought that was really good. Um, I also just like how in this show, the characters aren't dumb. Because my main thing whilst watching it, when she was like, right, take me to Loki. And she found out that if you prune yourself, you don't die. I was like, why did she just prune herself straight away? And then she, she did it anyway. I was like, oh, yay, she's not dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah, what did you think, Beef? Episode five of Loki. I was actually very pleasantly surprised because... I think the not the last not the last episode, but the episode before that, where it was uh, when they're on the Lamentis one, Lamentis one, yeah, that one sort of dragged for me a bit. Um, a lot of people loved that one. I just found that one a bit drawn out, and that could have been like a, a lot more reduced, and we could have had more plot, more story development in it. But this one, I think what I have been enjoying about this as well, and it would have been a very easy thing to do with this show, Tom Hiddleston as Loki being a massive fan favourite, massive fan following, is to a certain degree, he's not being upstaged, but he's not necessarily the star of the show. So you, you've got um, Sylvie, who's been, who's becoming a very popular character. Even Miss Minutes is becoming a very popular character. Yeah. <laughs> I can't then, wait for those plushes. And this episode, uh, Richard E. Grant, because when I watched like the post-credit scene of the previous week's episode, and you sort of see the, the, the four Lokis that are there to meet him when he gets pruned into the void, I didn't recognise it as Richard E. Grant. I just saw this like yeah, old man's face, and I thought, oh, was that like... Um, I didn't think it was him. I thought it was... What's his name? Uh, the guy who plays Barbosa out of Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, uh, okay. Jeffrey Rush. So it's Jeffrey. I thought it was Jeffrey Rush for a second. That would have been mental if Jeffrey Rush popped up. Um, I, well, there's a there's an actor I'd like to see in the MCU playing a character at some point, and it was it was good. So you you had another version of Loki played by Tom Hiddleston show up. You saw you had Mayor Loki or whatever you want to call him. Um, I love the Golden Age comic era anyway, so to see Richard E. Grant in that version, the, the fully sorcery-based one with the massive you know, green and yellow, fantastic touch, because you had the Golden Age appearance of the costumes in WandaVision for Vision and um, Scarlet Witch. Exactly. I, I think I think Richard E. Grant, I think you'll agree with me, in anything you see him, he's always given 100, whether he has to be funny, serious you know, kind of like, you know, he's just, he's dynamite. I mean, anything he's, he he's always been a fantastic actor that has always sort of bubbled under the surface, not been a... He's not broken out. He's never been a major, major star. He's, he's become a cult classic for With Nell and I. Uh, if you've ever seen the romantic movie Jack and Sarah, that's he's really great in that movie. Uh, it's one of one of my um, missus' favourite movies of all time. And yeah, he stole this episode, I think, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think he stole it. Um, I think he was great. I think out of the three Lokis or four Lokis, if you count Loki Gator, he was definitely the better one. I didn't like the kid actor. That's my only real negative. Is that I oh, I kid- did. I don't. I, I, thought, I like. I liked his bravado. It was his line delivery. I thought was really bad. He just said things like really blandly. It's like, you need this. So, all right. I know, but I think it's the idea of the pompous character, and this is like Loki. Loki's yeah. always been a character who's changed, and we'll get onto this when we talk about the film. Yeah. Loki's always a character who's always been changing, and this is like going through a personal change. A self-analysis change and what better way to do it than to sort of discuss it with different versions of themselves 
there is this really good build-up thing with Sylvie, and you still, I think, to a certain degree, you don't know whether the affection between Sylvie and Loki, the Loki that we have, yeah. is genuine, or whether she's still going to stiff him in the end. I, 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 I think it's genuine, and I'm going to be like, this is where I'm going <coughs> to my theory, beef confirm whether it's bullshit or not. But in this episode, you see a lot of Easter eggs. You see Yellow Jacket's helmet. You. I don't know whether you picked up on that, but if you see Yellow Jacket's helmet, the Avengers Tower has Kang written on the side of it. Uh, you have the Thanos copter, mental stuff. And the thing that the big clue is that Yellow Jacket helmet, because where does Yellow Jacket go at the end of Ant Man? He goes into the quantum realm, into the into yeah into the quantum realm, and where who is in the quantum realm? Kang. Who do we think is behind it all? I'm gonna go with. Kang, I think mm-hmm. Kang's going to be behind it all next week. Obviously, with the stuff with Renslayer in the comics as well, they've chosen her for a specific reason. In the comic books, Renslayer and Kang had a relationship, and I think Renslayer knows more than she's putting on. Even though they've kind of built up this subplot as oh, she doesn't know either, and she wants to know. I think she does know. I think she's playing playing the part very well. Um, yeah, and I also think we're going to see Loki die next week. It wouldn't surprise me because, in essence, the character that we're seeing is a variant. And I think Loki season two will be <laughs> Sylvie. Have they said that there's going to be a season two? Not officially, but it's all rumoured. But um, if there will be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they run with Sylvie. For Obviously, two. you've got Multiverse of Madness coming up. So if you like nixed this avenue, this Loki, then you don't have that worry and everything like that of how to close off that timeline or the the thing that arose from Endgame of the stones going here, there and everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd just I'd be interested to see where it's going to go. I, I've enjoyed it. Do I want to see a second season? I don't know if it, it needs to have a second season. I don't season. know with any of the MCU shows that there needs to be a second season. I like them all as stepping stones. I think they're really cool. Um, I think it's really interesting that you sort of get once. Like, obviously, we're going to see Falcon and Winter Soldier again. Maybe just mix up, them, maybe mix and match the people they're with. I think that's really cool. I think that Disney Plus gives you that opportunity, you know. And I think it's going to be really fun. I know. I think the one that could have another season is Falcon and Winter Soldier because all you need to do is give them another similar villain another to spy face. mission. Yeah, yeah, and that one. Um, you know, I want a happy I ending that... for Mobius. I want a happy ending for Mobius. Oh, mate, he's getting that jet ski. The He's only thing, the jet I, I, I do you know what I wouldn't be surprised if they bring Owen Wilson back in another property at this point because of the Mobius memes. Again, they'll bring Sylvie back in some capacity as well, I'm sure. Unless Sylvie dies. I don't see it happening. I don't I see Loki going because otherwise yeah, I think I see Loki. I see Tom Hiddleston bowing out again. But Tom Hiddleston never really dies, so he'll probably come back five years down the line again. It's how you know, it's what Lokis do, they survive. It's probably he's probably gonna be in Love and Thunder in some capacity as well. It wouldn't surprise. I feel like Tom Hiddleston because he's deep down like such a nerd for this sort of stuff. Like he loves watching the films, loves being a part of it, loves the audience. I think He's really, he's really embraced it, and it hasn't stopped him doing other stuff. So it and also, seems that he takes this as like fun times for him. And yeah, being an executive producer, he must make yeah, a nice bit of money. Out of that's why I was saying I don't know whether you, I don't know whether you saw that he's executive producer on this. So clearly, they're giving him the creative control as well to sort of put his input in and where he thinks it should go and stuff. And I think, I think that's really exciting and really. Fun. Devil's in the contract, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, he deserves it, though. I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, I think, especially after working with Taika and stuff like that, I think if you go with someone else, there's that worry of it could revert something not as good. Because, you know, so... It's quite it's quite surprising as well that, you know, how much of your principal cast in this are English as well. So... Yeah, because even... Um, so, obviously, you've got Tom... You've got Gugu and even the other agent, she's English as well, I believe, as well. Yeah. So that's and so is Sophia Di Martino, so that's four. And <laughs> Owen Wilson's just chilling. <laughs> like Yeah. Owen yeah. Wilson abides. He's very chilled and very laid back anyway. So yeah. 
You know, I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited for episode three. Did you manage to watch any of the uh, Pixar Monsters Inc. thing yet? Have you got? Are you, are you going to get around to that? No, no. I'll get. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'm. I, I'm interested to see what happens with like like we said the last episode of Loki. I'm holding back for that. How are they going to? Have they said the episode length is the last one? I presume. If it, is it going to be the same length as the rest? Because it seems they've got a hell of a lot of ground to cover in one episode. I may. I think they could extend it. Like they make it an actual. It'd be hour. nice for it to be an actual longer episode because I want to see what Mobius does because he says he's going to burn down the TVA. So that's going to be yeah. very interesting. And I obviously I think he's going to unlock that other agent from her cell and they'll do it together type thing. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I, I do you know what I love Mobius is what they do with Mobius in this episode well um, because there's that scene in the car where he's like, we thought we were the good guys. You know, do anything that's necessary for the greater good type thing. Yeah, the greater then, good. Yeah, the greater good. I have to get around to those films eventually on the podcast as well because they are classics. Um, but yeah, I suppose speaking of films, should we should we now move on to the the main piece of no better of time, the, no better time than the present. So we're we're getting towards the Infinity War now. We're on 2017's Thor Ragnarok. We are two films away. Uh, from this, um, obviously, directed by Taika Waititi, the third of the four films, and Thor at this point, I because I always get lost after you know after watching so many, watching like two weeks apart, I always get lost where people are. So Thor at this point, he took a bath and he was like, I've got to go find the Infinity Stones. I've got to go back to Asgard and get the stones. So I'm like, all right, Pretty that's much, where he is. yeah. And then that was we sort of lead into this one, and immediately the tonal shift is like paramount. Um, which I didn't, I didn't realize it was so quick that he just like switches character. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it because this version of Thor is so much better than the what we get in the up to this point. Yeah, in a standalone film, definitely there's a massive tonal shift as into how the character and the story is definitely laid out. And I think, yeah, massive amount of that is down to the directing, and I think the the improvisation that I guess goes on on set with it, to be honest with you, because he's a very, he's that type of director anyway, that he'll let his characters play about to hopefully get something that lifts it even more off the page, the story and make it a little bit more unique. Exactly. But before we get too further into it, I'll quickly give you a plot look, uh, you know, quick definition. Uh, essentially, uh, Thor, uh, Thor is looking for the Infinity Stones. He goes back to Asgard. Some stuff happens. They go looking for Odin. Odin ends up dying, which releases Thor's unknown sister, who then is the goddess of death, and she takes over Asgard while Thor and Loki are on this other planet, Sakaar. Whilst on Sakaar, Thor bumps into an old friend from work, and they have to team up together to take down Thor's sister and save Asgard. That's the film. Also, Jeff Goldblum is here. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, this is definitely the, the best of the four trilogy, I, I'd say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with you mind. on that as well, because I think it plays more like the second film of a trilogy than the third, if you put it like in in the in the sense of. Thor movie, it, 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 the Thor movies, it plays more like a second part of a three-part story because the second part usually is where your character is stripped of what they believe to be their power. They discover something that they didn't know before. You know, he loses his hammer. He loses his father and he finds out that he has his sister and there's this dark story about how Odin became the leader of the nine realms and how what Asgard was built on and he's found out everything that he knows is a lie so it does play like that second part of a, a story yeah I think uh, I, and that's why I'm sort of happy we're getting Love and Thunder and out of I don't want to say the main three but the main three of the original Avengers Thor is getting that extra film because I think he deserves it and needs it more than Captain America and Iron Man um, yeah and I think, especially with Taika coming back, I'm excited because I think Taika, I think Taika is genuinely one of, if not the 
most innovative filmmaker out there today. I think he's he's like James, like you were saying about James Gunn or like we're talking about Zack Snyder. Taika Waititi has very much got a style of his own. If you're watching a film that he's made, you know it's his because there are certain beats, there are ways lines are delivered that is it's it's his sort of joint. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, and uh, yeah, I think. Overall, what do you make of the characterization of Thor? Because I know a lot of people are sometimes like, oh, it's jarring because he goes from this, you know, kind of like godlike person in the first two Avengers films to sort of slowly shifting him in the second one and Avengers Age of Ultron to just fully going the opposite way and making him just this goof. I'm for it because I think it makes Thor, well, especially going into Infinity War and Endgame, a lot more sympathetic and you kind of like him more because he's more relatable. And I think you couldn't do the Infinity War and Endgame storyline as as effectively if you didn't make him as relatable. And Yeah, you're dealing with a character that's a god. Yeah. So what really could a god go through that would trouble him? And I was thinking about this as I was watching the film. I'm thinking it with, with his regards to the rest of the Avengers and he does really have a really good character arc to be honest with you with regards to the movies uh, not just his own movies but also the Avengers movies so you do get him really going through the ringer this film being part of it to be honest with you that there's a lot of light and humor to it but when he you know finds Odin and Odin dies, there is that sort of sadness to it. And he's sort of ready to accept responsibility, ready to be the king of Asgard. And now this has properly been thrust upon him because there's nothing less left to do now. Now he truly is a leader of a people by the end of it. So he does really go through the ringer on it, but it's done with such good nature and humour that you, you find yourself relating to him better because of the humour because of the different things that he goes through. So it is much stronger in that respect. I don't think the character, the, the tone shift in the character is massively jarring. No, and I think because it's such a good shift, you're sort of on board with it by 10, 15 minutes of the film anyway. Uh, mm. You know, I, I think it's one of those things where on first watch, you were sort of like, okay, this is the direction they're going. And then and then you see him take down a massive fire demon. It, it, like, oh. it definitely plays like a... Um, 80s movie oh totally but with the especially with like the Jack Kirby inspired colour palettes and yeah the, the, the colour but also the soundtrack if you take out which is like your set piece moments which is the Led Zeppelin stuff the rest of the music on it is like very electro yeah. 80s type stuff so oh yeah no the music, the music's, I mean, the MC music it's always pretty good because I always get the best people in, like, you know, I'm Sylvester, you know, Tyler Bates, that sort of stuff. But yeah, this film certainly has its own kind of vibe to it. And I think it's really, I think it's really cool and really impressive to match, especially because the first two, four films, again, with them being very different, the soundtrack's very different because it's more orchestral and more sort of like, even yeah, you the, get fir- that the song, first two are very pomp. This one's grounded even though it could, could be more grounded it's no, grounded it's, in the sense it's, it's pop it's pop but it's all it's just a soundtrack it's yeah like you said it's still got the pomp to it like they even make fun of that with them when loki has watching the play of for the dark world and he gets the choir to reenact the music from the oh, second yeah. and it's the most depressing like hum of all time. Also, Matt Damon shows up, and he's back for the next one as well, which is fun. Sorry for the spoilers, but it was Matt. Da- well, Matt, Matt Damon, and then you've got Hem- the other one of the other Hemsworth brothers What's playing. His, it's, not, it's not Liam; it's the other one. Um, yeah, let's just call him Kevin Hemsworth. Kevin Hemsworth. Um, Kevin Hemsworth. Exactly. So it's and, it's really and good. of all people, yeah, you've got one of the greats of. British cinema or British acting playing the real Odin, which is Anthony Hopkins, but then to play the stage version, you've got Australian acting royalty in the form of Sam Neill doing Odin as well. Yeah, and again, I think this again, this really gives Anthony Hopkins a bit of fun in the first. He's not in the film much because he 
dies very quickly. But especially when he's playing Loki, he gets a lot of fun. Like when he become he has to try to act. Well, he, I don't. I don't think he was up to do this. But when he read it, and the, the the quality of the story is what tempted him to just come back and do those little infield bits. And you can tell it's an Australian New Zealand director anyway, uh, because you've got a lot of Antipodean cast members. Kate Blanchett is a brilliant. Absolutely brilliant casting. Yeah, Car- uh, Carl Urban as yeah. well um, as a, a scourge. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's really good. I, I, I still, it, it's probably it's one of the lowest jokes of the one that, you know, not the less tried to be funny jokes, but I love when Odin, as well, Loki says, oh shit, but it's obviously Andy Hopkins going. As Odin, oh shit! I always find yeah. that hilarious. And obviously, in the original cut, I don't know whether really you remember, but the scene in Norway was originally going to be a scene in a New York street, mm. and he was going to be like a hobo, and then they cut it because he was like this. I think Taika said it was just a bit. It wasn't. It didn't really fit. It felt a bit strange yeah. for Odin's death scene for him to be a a mindless trunk. I think they released the clip a couple of year back actually, um, of him. But I really, I like the Odin stuff. I like the scene, especially when he says "my sons," and you get that look from Loki as that kind of final recognition of, you know, he's he's a part yeah, of the family. Yeah, the differences are sort of put aside because they know it's the sort of end for him. To be honest, so I like that. The the Stephen Strange, the Doctor Strange um, interlude. Yeah, yeah the, really the, the works. I didn't realise that in my head it was it wasn't obviously that long, but I thought it was a bit longer because he's left there for like two minutes. If that. And uh, but I think at this point, obviously they've had time to work that as well. And now Benedict Cumberbatch has got the exact way he wants to play Stephen Strange going forward. Because again, that's a bit different to how he played him in the first film. In this film, he's like very smart, straight to the point, knows exactly what he's talking about. So they've obviously use the time in universe to become yeah. a lot smarter and I don't I don't more. drink I don't drink tea and he's got this giant I was think I was thinking of you when I saw that. I was like if only beef had one of those. If there's any one thing I want from the Marvel universe, it would be that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um but yeah no I thought I thought that scene was great as well and obviously you get the fun thing with Loki was like I have been falling for 30 minutes. Which has been memed a lot of the time. Yeah, that's it. Just forget, just forgetting that he's got to be brought along for the ride. And the other thing, one of the other things I like as well, because I don't really think that that's really shown up in any of the films prior to this one as well. Is hammer cam is the only way I can describe it. Oh yeah, when you follow the camera. Yep. Yeah, when you're when you're actually following Yolanir, and it's like you're you're basically like riding on 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 the on the handle of it, as you see it, like ploughing through everything. I think that's a really nice touch. Yeah. And again, I think after this, the film, after essentially they go to Norway and Odin dies, and you're, you're interested to Hela and she breaks Mjolnir, which is a really a- excellent bit. It's a bit annoying that they ruined it by putting it in the trailer. Um, the Hulk stuff I wasn't too bothered about because you wouldn't be able to show much without him being there. But the hammer sm- smash bit, they shouldn't have put in there for me. I think I would have a really cool moment to watch on screen of them going, oh shit. Um, that's really cool. But I think after that, the film just takes over, takes up a notch. So I watched this before literally a couple of hours on the podcast. I didn't feel like it went on two hours. Well, I was no. an hour, I was an hour. Hulk shows up at an hour in, and I thought I was only half an hour in. Mm. I was like, shit, this is this is a like a very quick film. And Jeff Goldblum. It, the amount of screen time he has is really tiny. Be a, such a presence because he is Jeff Goldblum. Because he is Jeff Goldblum, yeah. It's really hard sometimes to dis, yeah separate the actor from the character that he's playing. And he is playing a twisted version of himself. Yeah. He can't help it. But it's, it's very cool when he's got him on there because he's got, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, what, sparkles. Oh, yeah, uh, that's... It's those those little moments that just yeah. make him so memorable. And and another and another kind of point that isn't really about the story. I think for me, this this is one of the bar films that is tried to be funny and legitimately is funny ninety nine percent of the time. Rather than they go for a joke and maybe a younger kid would laugh at it and go, oh, but as a as like a you know twenty year old and your age yourself, you know, 
a lot of the Marvel jokes cannot can't be quite funny because they're going for that younger sort of slapstick humor. But all the jokes just make me laugh. Like the fact that when when um like he kills his cousin and he's like he, he can't smell it because he's so used to the fact that he just murdered all these people. And it's like jokes like that, which is sick and twisted. The orgy, the orgy shit. <laughs> yeah, I think there's jokes for adults there's jokes for kids but there's jokes that, there's a lot of jokes that everyone gets so when yeah. the valkyrie shows up you can tell she's already had a couple of drinks and falls off the ramp to the ship first of all beef, beef if he was in space <laughs> yeah me in space um with regards to the the planets uh, is it sakar they call it sakar yeah yeah it that's a, that's a nod to Planet Hulk, which um, is a fantastic, fantastic um, comic book story. Again, and unfortunately, due to Universal being pricks, we're never going to unfortunately get that Mark Ruffalo solo movie. Um, Because it is is the most heartbreaking story of the Hulk stories that I've read. I've I've never read it, so I don't don't know the ending. So uh, it's it's a what shame happens? because he he does basically get done dirty by the Illuminati. So it's Reed Richards, Doctor Strange, Professor Xavier, and the Submariner. He oh, gets yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, gets 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 basically sent into space under false pretenses because he's too dangerous to be on Earth. Ends up on this planet, this gladiator planet. Ends up rising to power. Uh, falls in love. Um, and his wife is with child and he ends up the, the, the planet ends up being destroyed so then him and Korg and Meek who you meet in this film end up going back to Earth for revenge and that's where World War Hulk happens it's a, it's a shame we're never going to get that because this has also been put into it the animated movie of the story doesn't cut it yeah. but the one thing that I do when I saw this movie for the first time two characters i did not expect to show up in this and love so much were korg and meek and and the, and the good thing about meek is he never says anything but you still love him and when you when you think he's dead at the end you're like oh not meek and then obviously yeah. he's, not dead. he's not dead you find <laughs> that you have this affinity for someone who's got knives for hands yeah and <laughs> Yeah, the, the voice the voice is brilliant because you have this giant rock creature with this tiny, tiny voice. Uh, and yeah, uh, played by Tiger himself, obviously. A, a gentle soul. Um, Hello, my name is Cork. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. Yeah, Unless you're that's it. You, you seem to have a very intimate relationship with your hammers. Um, or the hammer pulled me off. Oh, my God, the hammer pulled you off. <laughs> yes. So, it, yeah, I think the stuff that gets set up on Sakaar it's good it's just uh, but i think it's a means to an end of just putting them two together and luckily it doesn't get like held on it for so long it there's a lot of stuff that's played for i think laughs the cool thing is as well the hulk thor battle is not too long it's like four minutes and it's as long as it needs to be and you get some really sick moves and I think it's really cool. I love Loki in that scene as well. They use him brilliantly. Like as soon as he sees it's Hulk, he's like, "I need to get the fuck out of here." Um, it's it, it's it's just yeah, it's great. To the, to the point though, when he sees Thor getting bashed up, by that's Hulk, how like, it feels. Yeah, there, there's a, so you you actually your liking for Loki increases the further along with this film you get. The brotherly relationship develops as well when they're yeah. deciding to steal the ship. And they talk about, yeah, get, yeah. Oh, please don't do get help. Yeah, I find it degrading. Yeah. Yeah. And they end up doing it anyway. So it, I, finds, it establishes that they've got that patter, that there is a bond there, that they can still work together. Yeah, and I think as well, a big thing is that a lot of people, and this is a common criticism of this film, is that, oh, it's, it's too funny. There's no serious moments to it. That elevator scene is very serious between the two of them, where Loki's like, oh, I've never impressed you. And Thor goes, I thought the world of you, brother. And it's like, this is them saying goodbye almost because um, they know they're going to go on different paths. This is it. Like, they're not. Well, I think as, I think as well with Scourge, that easily gets overlooked at because Scourge at is start, great. He's, he's there trying to impress the girls and go, oh, I Des and Troy. I Texas. Texas. <laughs> um, but he, he's like. He's got the shake, what, wait. He's, yeah. He's doing what he can to survive. 
And then Hella shows up and she goes, I need an execute. Everyone needs an executioner. And he then takes it on because he thinks he's going to be on that winning side. And then as things go along and things start to get more serious, and there's the bit where basically he's told he has to execute the woman and everything like that. Yeah. That you can see then that doubt that am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right side? And there is a moral conflict that goes through with him and changes by the time he gets to the end. Yeah, and again, because for me, although I love Kate Blanchett's performance, I don't think, because Heller essentially, for most of the film, is just waiting for the final act, I think that's the only problem with Heller, is obviously because they have to go on Thor and Loki in a different place. She doesn't really do much in the film. When she does get that really brutal killing scene, that's great. But then after the half an hour mark, She's not really doing much until the end, but you get Scourge sort of carries the Asgard part of the story. Um, mm. And I think that's, you know, and Kate Blanchett's brilliant in all scenes because obviously she's like, tell me about yourself, Scourge. And he's like, oh, my, my mother did this. But he's like, no, 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 I want to know about your ambitions. And you get the fact that he's not a man that wants to rule the world. He just wants to be noticed. And he's a man that wants, you know, yeah, he he's, always a, he's always a second string that wants to be the first. And even Heimdall actually does a bit more than just stand in at the end of the Rainbow Bridge and yeah. just glare off into the distance. He actually yeah. does some fighting. Which, make it which they should have done because he's Idris fucking Elba and they wasted him. And I think if they treated him better in the first couple of movies, then he would have stuck around a bit longer. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> because he, he, he wanted to go, didn't he? He was like, kill me now because you, you're not giving me anything to do and I don't want to... Being it yeah. stand at, at least they made him like more of a protector, more of a, a sage leader. Because the thing, the Warriors Three, they yeah. died as soon as Hammer shows up. Yeah, I mean the other, I don't know their names. Um, so the other guy, there's one of them at the end that there's more of a stand. Bye bye, Zachary Levi. Go to DC. Um, yeah, um, but. Volstag goes. Um, yeah, but it's it's bizarre that they don't get more than that. But it's obviously to show Hella's power that she just gets yeah. for these characters that are somewhat established. But it's just like, oh, no, no, no dialogue for you. I think they get yeah. one line each, and then it's like, oh, you're dead. Um, at least they got paid. Yeah, at least they got paid. Um, and obviously, you get you get the fight with Serta, who is voiced by the person that does Mr. Krabs' voice, his brilliant voice actor. Nancy Brown, Kurgan from Highlander. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's quality. Uh, it's a quality fight as well that just gets you into the into the. Uh, I also I think this is this is a bizarre uh, thing, but I think this is my favorite use of logo. So like transition from. When Thor uses the Bithros and another Thor, it says Thor Ragnarok, and I, I think that's really cool. That's a really good transition to the logo. Mm. Some films that can be really contrived, like when it would be an Iron Man film, he'd blast past the screen and it would go like all in flames, so that Iron Man would pop up, and it's like, oh, that's mm. not as fun. But you know, I thought this was really cool. Um, I love Stan Lee's cameo in this. I think it's funny as hell. Where Thor's like, by these chains, you will not cut my hair, and he starts crying as Stan Lee gets closer. And suddenly, mm. gave him a pretty good dude. To be fair. You know, yeah. I also, I've got to give Mark Ruffalo some credit as well because obviously it's got to be quite hard for him being doing the Hulk stuff, which a lot of that is CG. But there's not much emotion, not much character you can really do with that. But I like what they actually did with Banner. They made Banner more comedy than they did. So where you've got yeah. Tessa Thompson doing it. And this actually, I think, was the main time, the first time I've really seen Tessa Thompson on screen. She came across as really likeable. And then there's the bit where you've got Banner. She has no idea who she is. He has no recollection of who she is, but it's kind of like, he seemed really familiar and everything like that. And then yeah. there, there is that recognition at the end. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think another really cool part of this film is how interesting Hulk is because obviously they rely a lot more on Hulk than they do Banner and obviously on paper before this film came out you've been like really? Obviously Hulk was very dumb before this but obviously with the time of him becoming Hulk for two years some of the smarts have kind of gone over to Hulk and he can speak now and I still I still have the scene of you know we're both fired up and he goes but Hulk like raging fire, Thor like pitiful smoke Um, also, you, you get, yeah, Thor got to see some Hulk cock, um, which is yeah, that's an enduring image, I'm sure. That yeah, it will, it will be best left on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, again, I still, the, the joke that they have to cut the devil's anus makes me laugh all the time. It's Yeah. Just uh, go for it. Yeah. It's got, it's got a name. Uh, yeah. What can you Heimdall, obviously, I really like the fact that you use Heimdall's Warhammer's powers a lot more. So I really love the scene where essentially they use the MCU's version of contact, and you know Thor can see what's going on in Asgard through Heimdall, and Heimdall can kind of tell him where to go, and that sort of stuff. It's really cool. I also got to give props to the CGI, the transition between Hulk and Banner on the Quinjet, where you can see him like reverting in and out. It's really good because there's bits where and the fancy. The fight scene you think would be actually like you could you you could think the CGI could be really go really really badly on that, but it actually looks genuine. It looks properly comic book, but you don't look at it and go, "Oh, that bit was a bit ropey. That bit was a bit dodgy." It doesn't. It all works. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I agree with you entirely, and I, I think that. Because that was kind of the big selling point of the trailers, so was definitely, the, yeah, fight. definitely the fight was the, the the big thing, and and it Hulk delivers the strongest it there delivers. is. I still I do love the fact that the sun's getting real low, and you get that you get that shot of Hemsworth looking all goofy and smiling because he thinks he's done it, and then you get yeah. to wax, and it's it's brilliant. You can tell as well that this is definitely the direction Hemsworth would rather take with the character. You know, there's because also mm. he is serious in some scenes as well, like when he's talking about the destruction of his planet. You know, you can tell Hulk's you know that uh, Thor's not goofing around. He does care, and he wants to make things right and yeah. stuff. And I, but I think that's the good thing about Taika Waititi is the humour is realistic. Like, he uses it the right amount that we would to get out of awkward situations. Instead of, instead, I find that a lot of it, instead of it just being played for outright laughs, it undercuts, so it goes, it dips down at the end, so you can see where the joke is going, and when it pays off, that's what makes you laugh, because it's not just being like, oh, Man, man, fall over. Man gets hit in testicles with a football. It's yeah. it's it's not base. It's yeah, a little bit more um, stylized. Again, I have to also give credit to the Grandmaster's Little Ride uh, soundtrack to Pure Imagination from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, that's always a classic. You will meet yeah. the Grandmaster in five. Good luck. Yeah. And he starts screaming because all that tension is built up, and then he's just basically in a room surrounded by everyone. Yeah, and then then it has to goes through all the chat, and then decides to have a DJ break in the middle, and then and then uh, yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? And then I love the scene with the other guard, and he's like, "What did I say about her? She's the it starts with the beat, and she just goes trash." It's like, no, it doesn't even start with a beat. What are you talking about? It's about to insult her. And it's, 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 he's top tier, isn't he? It's Goldblum is top tier. Also, you get a little Beta Ray Bill cameo on the building as well for any of you comic book yeah. geeks. Obviously, Beta Ray Bill was a former champion. Maybe Hulk destroyed him. Who knows? Um, well, I'm hoping Beta Ray Bill will show up in the future because that's a character I've been wanting to show up to for the longest time. I, I'm pulling for Throg. I want Throg to show up. Well, that does get a bit of a nod as well. I'm sorry yeah, about I, the time I turned you into a frog. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, another joke that makes me laugh is when uh, somehow people know that Jane dumped Thor because that family comes and she's like, sorry, Jane dumped you. So somehow that leaked. So I assume Tony Stark must have like said it or something because if anyone yeah, was going to... It there's an Avengers him. WhatsApp group, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there's... What, oh god! What was what, what was it? You said uh, yeah. Where he's talking to Doctor Strange? You said well, no. You can't. I can't you, you exactly have a phone. You, no. What you, you, you could have? Yeah. You don't have a phone. Well, there is this thing called email. Electronic um, mail. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have a computer? No. What for? Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. It's it's top tier. Uh, I still what makes me laugh to this day is when obviously Banner's gonna have that superhero moment where he jumps out of the. The ship, and he, he's meant to land and become Hulk, but he just face plants and just drops. And it's the sound effect as well of just the. Mm. And obviously, the Fenric, the big wolf, is there, and it's like, oh shit. And obviously, then you get that transition um, mm. as well. I also think it's really smart. Obviously, we knew that Ragnarok was going to happen, but the fact that Thor realizes, and he's smart about it, he calls it, he goes, This wasn't about stopping or preventing Ragnarok, it's about causing it. 
Um, and again, you get that because normally in most films, I hate it when after Heller's taken his eye out, you get that break in it where Odin comes to him random. I love that scene because it, it, it represents everything the film's talking about. You know, Asgard is not a place, it's a people, the power comes from within. And you get that moment with the lightning, and then obviously Led Zeppelin comes back, and it's yeah. sick. It's I think that's sick. it. He, it's he where he's had everything stripped away from him. So, like like we had said, it's the hammer which he thought was the source of his power. That the power was inside him all along. And I love how Jeff there. Goldblum calls it sparkle fingers. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> but when he's talking to Odin at the end, and yeah, Odin's saying, "Yeah, it's always been within you. You you are strong enough." What do you think you are, the god of hammers? And yeah. that's 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 the sort of line that sort of like snaps you back into it. And says, yeah, it's not to do with the hammer; it's to do with you. And then, yeah, yeah, you do. You have that break. You have the build of the power that you see, and that shot is just with the soundtrack is just absolutely perfect. The framing of that one scene done in slow motion is amazing. It it's but if you look at the actual outline of it, it's very reminiscent of, I think it's like the, like the Iwo, Iwo Jima picture of the flag being raised. But I think there's also a Renaissance picture that, that I've seen somewhere that it's very reminiscent of that. Um, so it does, it looks like a classical art piece and it's done through the Marvel Universe and on this sort of Norse mythology, you know, legend type illustration. So it does, it looks like a comic book panel on the big screen. It is absolutely amazing. That's the, you couldn't pick a better choice really of music to go with it. I bet it costs a fortune for them to get the rights for it, but it's the perfect soundtrack for the perfect image. That's that's one of those ones yeah. where they say it's it's an image that you can hear because anyone who's seen that film, if you just showed them that one static image of Thor coming in with all the trail of lightning behind him, that's the music you hear in the back of your head. Yeah, exactly. And as well, this is obviously where Scourge gets his 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 moment to shine. Yeah, this is where Scourge gets obviously because you see you see him get. The obviously he sees people getting hurt. And obviously, Asgard, these are his people. Um, and he realizes that he's not fighting to be on top, he's fighting for the people, and that's what he's always wanted to do. And you see that moment where he, he, he finds a cause, he finally finds that cause that's bigger than himself. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it's it's one of those things, you know, and he uses Des and Troy. And yeah, some people didn't like this either. I like how swift his death is. Of like he gets that moment where he looks at Heller, he shouts at her, she kills him instantly, and that's it. Yeah, there they, they, they didn't need to be a prolonged death scene no. like that. And I, he, I don't he, know. He already got his vindication. How far between this and him being cast in the was he already cast in the boys at this point? Well, the boys didn't start till 2019, so maybe. Because I, I I do wonder whether like someone somewhere may have seen maybe this. When, maybe when the film came out. Not I don't I wouldn't assume when it was being filmed. Yeah, but there's a bit, I don't know if you clocked it as well, where obviously he's he's been shooting all the guys with the guns. He's run out of bullets and he throws the guns away. And then he's just like, what do I do? And he headbutts one of them. Yeah. yeah. And that's Top just two. like, that's 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 Billy Butcher in the making. And it's sort yeah. of like, because you think about what he's like in the voice and thinking, yeah, someone's got to have seen that and think, that's our guy. Exactly. Um, and again, I think as well, I, I, really, I think an underrated fight has is, is also got to be the whole uh, Fenric-Hulk battle. I think that's really cool to see Hulk go up against a big dog. Um, it's really fun. <laughs> I just enjoy it. I'm like, well, because you, you haven't seen a fight like that since. Uh, um, I would have said. Abomination. Does he actually get his skin broken in that? The only other time I've seen something like that. Where he may yeah, he gets like... the scar. He's got the scar. On, in this film, he's still got the scar from the fight with the abomination. Oh, cool, so, yeah. Because I'm thinking, um, yeah, the, yeah, it was weird that, seeing like that breaking of the skin and like the, the green sort of blood almost coming out. Yeah, I wonder though, does, does Banner also get those injuries though? Like, I don't know, don't think so. 
Um, but uh, it, it, I think it's I think it's fun. I think the fact that also Thor doesn't get the the pleasure of killing Hela. In actual fact, he doesn't get the vindication of avenging. You know, because obviously in this are the Revengers and not the Avengers, um, which I think is really cool. I like how midway through their first mission, they're like, we should just disband. It's, it's game over. We've lost. Well, it's, it's where they think they've actually just like fixed it. Yeah. Where they fixed it and then Hulk jumps over and is like, big monster. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, big monster. And he's like, no, this is what we need to do. And again, I, I've got, I've got to give my, my shout out to my boy, uh, Korg, who's like, a, with this, we can build from the foundations. We can if rebuild. The foundations are strong. <laughs> oh, no, those foundations are gone. My bad. <laughs> Um, I think also what's a, what's a great thing about this is that also toward where you get to that end point and there's that respect that is then formed between Loki and Thor. Yeah, because you get that you he, get that scene where if you if you were actually here, I might hug you and he throws the thing and we well, actually he puts it. he puts his faith in him to actually do the right thing. So he says, yeah. "You need to you need to put." Uh, skull into yeah. the eternal flame because we need to destroy Asgard. And he, he and sees the Tesseract as well, doesn't he? He's like, and he obviously I, takes I think it. that I think that's a really nice touch because knowing what we've seen now with Endgame and how Loki's come about, it's like I'll see you later type. Yeah. Thing. It's almost like stick around. And obviously the main post credits in this film just completely leads into Endgame as of oh, Infinity War, sorry. Um as well. Um, but yeah, I think this film's great. I think Hella's death it, it opens enough for her to return at some point if they want to do it, because you don't yeah. see her die, so she and, can come back. And I like also one other thing that we've not said about her as well is the transition between the massive headpiece, which is ridiculous, but it's exactly what you've got in the comic books. Yeah, because that, 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 that the, the, the more her power grows, the bigger it gets, isn't it? Yeah, but also it's like the transition between the hair and everything like that. It's all like, okay, now I'm like chilling, but now it's business. So then the hair goes up and it it becomes this massive headdress. Exactly. Um, so that's a nice touch, I think. This this it's very stylistic. I think they said that when he did like a pitch for this, because they went to like several different directors. Excuse me. When they went to several <laughs> several different directors, when they were going to get this done. And he put in his pitch. He said, "I wanted to make it a sort of '80s sort of fun film," and he used bits of Big Trouble in Little China in a in a sort of test scissor reel that he did for it. And you really do get that sort of feeling to it that there's, yeah, this grand scheme, but there's also this electro nuts insanity to it, and that's what this film does massively. Yeah, I get exactly, and I think it for me, it gets everything right. I think the only place where it puts me down is because I love the Sakaar stuff so much. I find whenever we cut back to Asgard, it can not transition well at some points. Obviously, because Sakaar looks as amazing and so colourful as well, and you go back to Asgard, it looks dull and boring. And I think the issue that the MCU has always had, maybe apart from when Kenneth Branagh was directing, is Asgard's meant to look this beautiful place. And the only time you really see that is in the first Thor film. I don't think they've ever replicated the beauty of Asgard and how it's meant to look, apart from in that first Thor film. Um, yeah. But, you, but that's only, honestly, it, it's a minor it, nitpick. But. I think Asgard is basically a vehicle that just you, you're going to be destroying at the end of it. It's I, I don't think you they stick around in one place too long, which is what is a good thing. Yeah. Because it, it keeps the pace. You're not, like you said, it's a two-hour movie. But you're not like, oh, this bit's really dragging now. This could have been shorter. Everything sort of has a really good momentum and keeps you moving through it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it leads perfectly into Infinity War, obviously. On the road uh, to uh, to Infinity War, we've got one more film left. And then in the words of um, in the words of Nick Fury himself, I'm putting a team together because I'm planning, and hopefully everyone's got time, I'm planning to get everyone that's in a Marvel review Back on the podcast to do Infinity War and then Endgame later on. So B Yikes. should be back. B should be back in the future. And uh, I'm not going to kill half of you off to, to do the Endgame one. You're just going to be there. Um, but that's going to be the plan 
two big reviews to kind of cap off the infinite because also it's been the most successful thing on this podcast by far the age of ultra ones are like 3k views which is crazy and bizarre mm. i still don't know why that's good and the the guide to the galaxy ones picked up now that that gets 20 views a day or some, something like that which for my channel is insane so um this has been the by far the most successful series so i want to cap it off perfectly Unfortunately, oh, I say unfortunately, you know, whatever you feel, there will be a Black Widow review in between because obviously YouTube has its own way of algorithms. I, you know, I need to jump on the trend while I can and make a podcast as soon as I can on that to then get the maximum outreach. Because I don't want to review it two months on the line when everyone's seen it and everyone's done their bit and then no one cares because then yeah. Eternals will be coming out and no one will give a fuck about Black Widow. So um, that will come in between. But Beef, uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up and that sort of stuff on this particular show no i'm i'm happy with um umbrella jokes that were made i'm happy with beer glasses that fill themselves up i'm happy with this being a slightly more adult film because there was definitely more swearing in this than there has been in any of the other thor films yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It's great. Um, also, as well, just let the fans know, if you love Beef, he'll be doing a sort of a back-to-back. He'll be doing back-to-back Marvel because of the Infinity War and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. So you've got to come back to do Ant-Man and the Wasp because you're Ant-Man. So back in... Once we've done Infinity War in a month's time, we'll be about two weeks. And then, and then, yeah, so exciting times. So plenty of Beef on the way on the channel in the near future. Always um, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And then me and Beef will find another... Beef will introduce me to another obscure comedy for us to review like we did with Garth Rangi down the line as well. Because I think Beef has a myriad... Of, me and Beef have sort of similar tastes in most Brit- British comedy stuff. So if he can introduce me to something, whether it be film or television, it's always fun. Just because Beef also likes a lot of weird shit. So it's also kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of very random stuff. What was, very what was the Kung Fu guy one that you made me watch? The Amazon Prime documentary? Kung Fu Elliot. Yeah, Kung Fu Elliot. <laughs> watch that on Amazon. If you've got time, watch Kung Fu Elliot on Amazon Prime. I'm not going to say anything real? about it. Is it a documentary? Is it just a massive hoax? You be the judge. But it has to be seen to be believed. Yes. Uh, by the way, go follow Beef on Twitter. Is it at the Beefhead? I'll make sure. That um, indeed, at the Beefhead. Yes. Yes. Go follow me on Twitter, Alex King underscore Dom. Go follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at Thomas Pod and on Instagram as well. Subscribe to us on YouTube because, you know, if you listen to it on socials, just give us a subscribe because it helps in the algorithms and that's how YouTube works these days. So if you could, it helps a lot. But until next time, guys, which I think, yeah, will be the invasion with Owen and John. Uh, it's exciting. So I've not watched that one in a long time. The invasion was one of my first classic coups. So um, it's going to be exciting to jump back into that. I think, is it seven, eight parts? <laughs> it's a long it's one. Re- yeah, it's a massively long one. Uh, it's not I've done with the war games, it's long. And, 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 if you, and if you can pick out the bits when you watch it of, um, of Pat Troughton and uh, Fraser Hines drunk doing running in a later scene, good on you. You have to you have to, you have to let me know after I've watched it. I'll like so I didn't pick up on that. You have to tell me. But be oh honest, yeah, mate. that's it. I, I, speak, I, I spoke to Fraser once, and I, I showed him an off an offset relaxation picture that I got signed, and he said we got so drunk and had to do filming in the afternoon. But yeah, I'll tell you about it uh, once you've watched it. Yes, absolutely. But beef, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Always fun, man. Have a good time, guys, and we'll see you guys next week with the review of The Invasion. Bye-bye.